Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Guys, I don't know what to do with my life now that the World Juniors have been canceled. We should have Seth Jarvis on to make me feel better. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Track and Storm podcast. My name is Brandon. That's Matt and Alex. Sorry we were gone last week. You know, I've been sick as hell for like a month now, but uh, finally feeling better. Thanks for asking. Since we did miss you last week, we figured we'd do something very special for you guys this week to make up for it. And we are very excited to welcome on none other than Carolina Hurricanes rookie forward sensation, Seth Jarvis. <laughs> Seth, hey, <laughs> God damn it, stop laughing. You're making me laugh. <laughs> Seth, thank you so much for taking the time to jump on here with us, buddy. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. <laughs> I swear this happens anytime we have a guest. Friend. <laughs> I, I like, suddenly like forget how to talk. And it's just, anyway. All right. So like I said, we're going to start with some hockey stuff and then we're going to jump into some fun stuff later. Um, but let's start with your season. You know, um, obviously you started this year and you were, you know, you go through training camp and obviously it was a really tough roster to crack. Um, but you ended up breaking camp with the team and, you know, nobody really knew how this year was going to shake out because you were the healthy extra. We didn't know, is he going to get his nine game trial and go back? What's going to happen? Um, so why don't you take us through your thought process at that time? Um and did you think you were going to end up being in the NHL to stay? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It was tough to kind of see anything kind of come out of it just because you look at our roster and how, how deep and how good we are. But, uh, yeah, I just I just kind of showed up every day and uh, I just tried to put my best foot forward. And then when they told me I was staying for a while, I was, I was excited. I didn't really know what that meant, but – uh, I think kind of after my second game when I scored and that's when I kind of felt the most comfortable uh, up until that point. Uh, I think that's when I started to clue in that maybe I will stay and maybe I can uh, and stick this year. I was going to ask, you know, after the first first goal you scored, I think I think it was your next two that got, uh, you know, disallowed. So you finally get the monkey off your back and score your actual second NHL goal. So was it frustrating having those get disallowed? Was it kind of funny or, you know, did it motivate you a little bit more to shoot? Uh, I mean, kind of what was the process going on there? Yeah, it was a little bit of everything. I think the one against St. Louis, the one against Philadelphia, like it was my fault. Like I was outside. So I could, I understood that, but the St. Louis one, I couldn't wrap my head around why they, why they wouldn't have called it a goal or whatnot. 
but it also sucked because the goalie playing for St. Louis was my junior roommate and I played with him and I billeted with him for a year. So when uh, that got disallowed, he sent me a text. I used cheer for me and stuff during the game. But yeah, that one, I didn't see why I didn't get called a goal. So it sucked a little bit. Yeah, possession my ass. You barely even touched it. <laughs> exactly. That's, it's a mystery to all of us. But yeah, it would have been cool to have some bragging rights there. Yeah. Uh, so over the past, I guess, year now, you've played in the WHL, you've played a little in the AHL, and now you've stuck around, hopefully for good in the NHL. Um, what, what's some of the biggest differences between playing in a junior league and playing in the minors and then coming up to the NHL where, you know, we all know there's a big difference in pace and size and expectation daily, but what's been the biggest adjustment for you? Uh, I think going from juniors to the AHL, it was – how big and physical everyone kind of is everyone down there they're all everyone's huge and and wants to hit you and kind of kill you especially as a young guy during that season when I was 18 I was tiny I was kind of out there having fun but that was the biggest adjustment for me from dub to the A and then from the A to the NHL I think the puck moves way quicker everyone up in the NHL is way more dangerous I think you can't really take a breath uh with anyone, whether you're playing against the first, fourth line, six D-men, top two D-men, everyone can make plays, everyone can skate. So that was tough, just how fast the puck moves and getting adjusted to that. All right. Um, so about 20-something games in now. Um, what are some of your favorite moments you've had from your first NHL season, and what are you looking forward to the most in 2022? I think the favorites would obviously be the first game, first goal. The first game was cool as my parents were there, so it was nice to have my family in the building to watch that. Uh, first goal, obviously. Um, I think other than that, going home to Winnipeg to play was really cool. I had so many, so many people there, so that was that was nice to play in front of old coaches, friends, stuff like that. Uh, looking forward to. Ooh. Uh, I don't know. I I'm I don't really know what to expect. I'm still I'm still learning the reins. So, uh, honestly. If we keep trending the way we are, hopefully a, a deep playoff run. Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say that, you know, after the first game, uh, I, I was working in the team store that game. We got out late and uh, it was just kind of cool. I look over and I'm like, oh, hey, that's Seth Jarvis. That must be his family because he's hugging like random people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was nice having him there. That's good, especially like in such like a weird year like this, like that you are breaking into the league with all this COVID, everything going on. And, you know, fans, we don't know who's going to be able to be in the building moving forward. And open Canada, they're already changing all those rules and stuff. But it's good. It's awesome, actually, that you kind of got to have them there, at least for a couple of games. And hopefully there'll be plenty more moving forward. Yeah, it was was sweet. All right. uh, So so what's it like going from playing uh, in the juniors with, you know, um, obviously where you're considered to be probably the most skilled guy on the team to coming into a situation where you've got talents like Sebastian Aho, Andre Svechnikov, Jordan Stahl, Ter- Table Teravine, and all guys who can play at your skill level. What's the difference playing with line mates like that as opposed to maybe guys that aren't quite up to your level? I think just the way the puck moves. I think you have to be prepared to be ready to shoot whenever because they're going to, even if you don't think you're open, they're going to find you and you're going to have to shoot the puck. So I think those are the biggest ones is always being ready to either catch a pass, get a pass, give a pass or shoot. And then, I, yeah, I can just learning so much from all those guys, whether it's in practice or, or in game, just watching those guys. I love, I love watching 
like Aho especially, just the way he kind of maneuvers around the ice. He's not the biggest guy in the world, so it's it's cool. I can take some of his stuff and and try to put into my game. So just being able to learn from basically everyone on the ice. Yeah, that kind of leads me into another question of who is one player that you kind of model your game around? Uh, on the team or just in general? Um, I, I guess I'd say one from the team and then say one that maybe you watched growing up and you're like, you know, I want to play like him kind of thing. Yeah, one I watched growing up and a lot more recently was Braden Point. Just the more he's kind of excelled into stardom, I think it makes him a lot easier to watch. But even before when he was playing junior or, or when he first kind of broke into the league, I loved watching him and always thought he was a, <clears throat> a great player. And then on the team, yeah, I'd say I'd say fishy. I think he's a pretty easy choice. He's probably our best player and someone that does kind of everything right and, and doesn't really have a weak point in the game. Yeah, for sure. All right. So speaking of Aho, and this is where we're going to start getting into the questions that the fans <laughs> asked for you. Um, and I honestly don't know why, but they have an idea, I guess, that living with Aho must suck. <laughs> we got at least two people asking what's the worst part about asking with Aho, or about living with Aho. And then oh. we got one person that asked what the best part is. So what is it? Huh. <laughs> Ooh, I got to be careful here. Uh, <laughs> you end up with no place uh, to sleep tonight. <laughs> exactly. Well, I got my own place now. I'm I, I moved out, so oh yeah. okay. Taking well, congratulations on that. <laughs> thank you. Trying to be a grown up a little bit, but uh, well now you can say whatever part. you want. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Hmm. Worst part? Uh, hmm. That's a good question. <laughs> like I don't I don't know I I enjoyed it I think maybe I don't like I feel like I was the guy that was always messing up around him like I was screwing <laughs> stuff up for him so I don't I don't even know what to say like I I was just doing my own thing and I I could he was he was awesome to me best part would be probably that we had a lot of the same interests so it made quarantine a lot easier and he has a sick sauna so that was that was fun <laughs> to get in there. Yeah, so what you're saying is yeah. we should be asking Sebastian what was the worst part about living with <laughs> that you. That would be that would probably be the better. You probably get a good answer out of that one. <laughs> we'll jot that down for uh we'll come back to it later. Future episode. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um all right. So we just had Christmas and New Year's. Uh, obviously you guys have been off for a little while with you know all this COVID and everything going on. What'd you do for the holiday, man? Uh, I spent it with the fishy. Was... Okay, that's what we thought. So, did you get to experience finished Christmas with everybody? <laughs> I I did. I got a great taste of finished Christmas. It was it was something I didn't know what to expect. I kind of showed up and had a smile, but yeah, it was awesome. They, I tried finished food, which was for the most part pretty good. There's a few things I was like, yeah, man, I don't <laughs> I don't eat that, but it was it was super fun. I I got to play Santa Claus for Rance's kids, which was really fun. Uh, yeah, it was the whole experience. The whole holidays was really good. They, they did a great job, including me. Awesome. Yeah, Brandon, I was going to ask, did you not see he was Santa Claus? <laughs> no, I did see that, but don't let him tell you man. All right, so this next question is, <laughs> says if people want to know, are you really fast as f- but I mean, you know, you just got to watch the games to figure that one out. So gonna, is, no, you don't know, know that meme, gonna, dude. Ouch, you no, I, I, I don't. Exactly. I don't. I don't. I guess, I don't know. I guess I'm out of touch. But let, let me reword this one and take it a little step further here. If you guys no. don't mind. No. What? 
It's you gotta the ruin meme. everything, eh? You, it's, it's a meme, it's, it's, Al. Or, oh I, I don't know. I don't know. If I don't understand it, I'm not sure most of our listeners are going to understand it. You know what I mean? That's uh, okay. He's from okay, Ottawa. Let, you can't so, trust him, Seth. <laughs> okay, let, let, me, let me take this one a step further, then. Um, hurricanes in a race. Who's the fastest on the team? I, I, ooh. If we're starting from a standstill... You taking yourself? Oh, uh, maybe. Man, I got a quick first. Huh? Yeah, Nechi is so fast. Yeah. <laughs> See, but ne- Nechi is like the crossover, wind it up fast. That's true, yeah. I feel like I could get a little separation off the start, but <laughs> I would say I would say Nechi. I would say Nechi's probably the fastest. It's tight. And Aho, man, uh, he, when he broke into the league, I swear he was not as fast as he is now. Dude is so no, yeah, he's, such a good He is fast. sneaky fast. Yeah. It's weird, yeah. I feel like Finns in general are like the types of skaters where it doesn't necessarily look like, you know, they're that fast Terrifying. until you watch them in <laughs> person. Yeah. In that <laughs> they make it look so easy, I swear. Yeah. 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 But yeah, for those of our listeners that don't know, uh, go watch uh, Aho Miked Up and you'll understand the meme. <laughs> exactly. I was hoping people would pick up on it and just not think I was just saying that just to say it. Uh, it's from a uh, what I mean, but whatever. Yeah, <laughs> those of us that are in the know. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, us cool uh, people. <laughs> us hip. Uh, yeah, current. Oh, and I do want to ask though. You know, we've we heard the the story of how you you got an Xbox from. I think it was Gokuniemi. Yeah, except it was all in Finnish. Uh, <laughs> so, have have you finally translated it back to English, or is that still a work in progress? It's still in Finnish. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I, yeah, I completely gave up on even trying to do anything with it. So whenever I need to fix anything, I'll FaceTime my buddies because all the icons are the same. So they'll just show me their Xbox and I'll do it or whatever. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's fun. <laughs> I, I'm still trying to learn Finnish. So it's helped me out. That's what I was going to ask. I was going to say, was your <laughs> Finnish getting any better at least? <laughs> I, can, I know a few few choice words and that's what it yeah, i was gonna say words that he probably can't say exactly <laughs> um all right so let's talk about the ambulance ride back from canada um yeah. what was the playlist like and who was on the well i guess usb or whatever you guys were using or did you even listen to music on the way back i'm sure you had a long ass journey no music there was nothing it was wow everyone was so stressed trying to get across the border oh, that man no one i don't know i wasn't too stressed i was kind of riding it out but fishy really wanted to get home and mikey really wanted to get home so there's no music it was also like six in the morning so everyone's tired <laughs> oh, so but, did you guys just sleep the whole way or what what you how did you guys pass the time well yeah i don't I, it was like it felt like it took forever Right. Just because, like, in the we it was like a legit ambulance. Like, we're in the back of an ambulance, so I was sitting at like a little bench, and there's <laughs> me and Fishy sitting next to each other. And then there's like a whole stretcher in the middle that was taking up all the space. And then Mikey was sitting on this like chair on the other side, and like, there was nothing we could really do. So, like, I don't know, me, like, me and we, me and Fishy were like arguing back and forth for a while, and that was about, really about it. Uh, so how do you like North Carolina so far? I, I like it. It's the weather so nice. I can't even describe to you how nice it is to be. I was golfing 
yesterday. Which play? Yeah. Pine Hollow. Nice. Yeah. So golfing in January is unheard of. So <laughs> right. It Don't was uh it was real nice. So I, I love the weather. Uh so far every everyone I've talked to seems super nice. Uh yeah, I'm getting accustomed to the food. I'm still working on trying to try out local places just to get a get a taste of it. But uh other than that, like I I can't complain about anything. It's awesome. I was actually going to ask, you know, we have, we have two questions that are food related here. So one is obviously, you know, your favorite restaurant. The other one is, have you been to Bojangles? And if so, what's your order? I haven't been to Bojangles yet. Uh, You'll I'll try probably it. on Rod Brindamore's oh. band list of foods. <laughs> probably. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll try. I'll get to Bojangles eventually. Uh, <laughs> my favorite place is Vivace probably right now. It's like an Italian place. It's it's good. It's three minutes down the road, so it's easy to get to. And yeah, that's probably and it's healthy enough where I can feel good about eating it, but it still tastes good. <laughs> you can get away with that one, exactly. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, uh, I guess the video game question is really all I see that we haven't asked them yet. Got yeah. through these pretty in timely fashion. We didn't keep them too long. See? Well, you're gonna ask it, right? I'm not the video. <laughs> Y'all ask it. Okay. I don't even know Alex, what the hell that means. The it's a somebody question. wants to know the his favorite non multiplayer video game. So I think they just want to hear something other than Call of Duty. Yeah, I don't. I only play multiplayer video games just to, to talk to other people and my buddies and stuff. Like I play COD, Fortnite. Ooh, I like Madden. That's if that counts as a non multiplayer. I like Madden. I think it does, right? I mean, well, I think you can <laughs> multiplayer, but whatever. I think that was yeah. closer to close what enough. The yeah. person had in mind when they asked that. So <laughs> yeah. there you go. Madden's his favorite. Do you play Chell at all or no? Uh, I do. I did a. I did a while ago for a while, but then like not since I've probably gotten here. My buddies always fuck chirp me about, "Oh, you suck at Chell and stuff like that." And I, just, <laughs> I don't even turn it on anymore. That's all right. Yeah, the game's bad, decision. anyways. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> see, that's the problem, man. It was so much fun growing up. Like when I was playing it, we were traveling. My buddy had a like system in his car, so we play in the car. <laughs> but I mean, other than that, the game hasn't changed in the last like 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the last question that we've got for you is so you've been on the bench while Rod Brindamore is just screaming at the officials. And so what I want to know is where does a pissed off Rod Brindamore rank among the scariest things on earth? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I'm he's never done that. I think it would be way scary if it was towards me. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think I would, I wouldn't be able to function for the rest of the game. If that, if that happened, but yeah, it is like <clears throat> when he's yelling, like, He's pacing up and down the bench, like he's screaming. And then like, you can slowly see like kind of veins pop out because he's jacked. So like certain veins start coming out and that's when you know, like he's really about to hit his kind of tipping point. And then he, he does a good job. Like he'll like kind of calm down for a little bit and then he'll throw a few more like screams in there and then, and then shut it off. But yeah, it is terrifying. <laughs> but as long as it's not towards me, I, I think it's a little less scary. <laughs> He's just so animated, man. 
25,000 yeah. fine. <laughs> right. right. Jeez. All right. Seth Jarvis, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again so much for taking the time to jump on here with us. Um, keep up the great work, man. You've been killing it in your rookie season, and we're really excited to see what the future holds for you, bud. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. Before we jump into anything else, let's take a minute and get a quick word from DraftKings. Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone is going to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And we're back. And we're back. Funny. That was in back. sync. I like huh? it. That was in sync. I like it. It was. I liked it a lot. All right. So, uh, not going to stay on here too much longer, probably tonight. There's not really a whole lot going on with the Hurricanes on a five-day break. Uh, but we will briefly go over these last two games. And there's actually another team north of the border we wanted to talk about just a little bit. Just uh, we had a few interesting thoughts that we thought might make for some good discussion. But how does but anyway, this affect the Leafs? <laughs> no. God. We, <laughs> I don't need not, not that God. team north of the border? <laughs> it's a different team north of the border. Um, okay. So obviously we've only seen two Hurricanes games in the last shit, what, three weeks? And I, I don't even know how long it's been. It's been, it's a long been time. almost a month. Yeah, it's, it's been a long time. Um, we saw the Montreal Canadiens game, which there's really not much to take away from beating down probably the worst team in the NHL right now. And they're missing half their roster. Um, it was a good game. Uh, I mean, just like I said, I, don't, I feel like it's not too much to take away. But this Columbus game, I feel like there's a lot to take away just because, you know, I saw somebody say on Twitter, it's when they were actually talking about <laughs> the team we're going to talk about next. Um, but it's good teams, the mark of a great team, actually. You play the same way no matter what the score is. You can be down 4 nothing, You can be up 2 nothing, You can be tied. You play the same way. You play your style of hockey. And I think that's one of the biggest changes we've seen from the Carolina Hurricanes since Rod Brendamore took over with the culture he's implemented. We talked about it plenty, but I mean, it just bears repeating because being able to come back, I I know Columbus isn't really that great, but coming back against any NHL team down four to nothing, seven straight goals is like unheard of. And I mean, it just shows, I think this team more than any other since Brendan Moore took over, I think this team is legitimately primed for a deep, deep run and potentially a Stanley Cup. I'm really excited to see what shakes out. Um, I mean, the team's finally healthy, and they're just freaking stacked. <laughs> yeah, so, that, that game felt like a 2015 Hurricanes game in reverse. <laughs> right. I remember, remember their it first really game? I, I think it was like 2016. In, where were they in Winnipeg? And they were up like 4 nothing or 4-1 or something in the third period and we're like wow is this finally the year that this team is going to be good and then just the absolute collapse right. blew a three goal lead lost the game and I think the next night they were in Edmonton and did the exact same thing <laughs> this this literally felt like 
the the complete opposite of that like just the whole universe kind of flipped over the spectrum change and now the hurricanes are coming back from down four nothing and you know it they were playing well they they didn't deserve to be down for nothing i thought their effort was fine just things weren't really going their way and couldn't get uh, a balance and rances had a tough night yeah and you combine uh, the that defense with, as a whole right right yeah he wasn't just ranted that's that's fair he didn't do himself any favors but he wasn't i don't know and you combine that know. with the fact that columbus's defense is just awful um yeah. it, it was a great result man and it, it just shows you can you can never count this team out i mean to, to come back from down four goals and they did it mostly in about a period and a half worth of work i mean going forward they're going to be remembering that when anytime you're down two three goals you gotta you're gonna you're gonna have rod brendamore on the bench saying hey you know we're not out of this well i was listening to um stevie was on kane's cast this week and you know he was kind of saying the team never doubts that they have it you know like they always know that they can win every single night so when you have that belief it's a lot easier to come back from those types of games right so you know, there's there's something to be said about it. I, I think the Canes have been just great all year long. And I don't think they've had very many, if any, games where I've sat and watched it and been like, man, that sucked since like the California road trip. Yeah. I want to say. Right. And like every team has games like that, but it seems like every time they do, they just bounce back. Like the very next yeah. night, there's no prolonged slumps. They don't let bad habits turn into a pattern. Like, and I, I think those are all symptoms of a well-coached team again. Like I, I know I keep going back to the same thing, but is Brendan Moore the best coach in the league? <laughs> like, yes. I, I, I think he might be legitimately. There's not a doubt in my mind. Now, obviously, I'm not as tuned into other teams. I mean, I think John Cooper's a great coach too, right? I mean, even without the two Stanley Cups, you know, his system works. There's definitely something to be said about how Rod Brind- like Rod Brindamore is the Carolina Hurricanes, and there's something to be said about that, you know? Yeah. I mean, and there's other good coaches too. Bruce Boudreaux is doing a really good job out in Vancouver of all places and Barry Trotz is a really good coach, but I, I don't know, man, just the way all the hurricanes would just run through a wall for Brendan Moore. And I, I don't know. He just seems like he knows what the hell he's doing. That's for damn sure. <laughs> well, I mean, beyond just winning 23 of 31 games, I saw a tweet, I think I forgot who tweeted it, but um, the basis of the tweet was basically like the hurricanes, I think of the eight games, they lost six, five or six of them were by one goal. Um, and one of the ones that was by like two or three goals, it was due to some empty netters. So they were saying, yeah. I think there's only been one or two games all season that the Hurricanes were kind of out of the game before it was over. Um, so it just goes to show, you know, that this team, even when they're not playing their best, even in a game like the Columbus game where you're down four goals, they know what they're capable of. And it's obviously echoed to the team in the room. It's echoed on the bench. And these guys believe in themselves to a point that they're, they're very rarely playing from behind. Um, and when they are, they know that they're good enough to be able to overcome any deficit. And when, when you got that kind of belief in your room, especially with some of the leadership this team has, it, it makes you a very dangerous group. The last thing I want to say is like, do you guys remember it, like the 2018-19 season? Like after the Nino Niederreiter trade, it was like that team felt magical. Like there was something different, right? Like that you got that sense that this was a different team 
and that it could finally break the playoff drought. And obviously that happened. <clears throat> Starting to get the feeling that this, this team has a bit of that same magic, only, you know, we're not looking to break a playoff drought. We're looking for a Stanley Cup. Yeah. It's a bold claim. It's bold. It's bold. But I like, like it. this team, as constructed, is built to win a Stanley Cup. They're not built to just make the playoffs. Right. Yeah, it's, it's not enough to make the playoffs anymore. Like this team, like to your point, they're looking for a Stanley Cup. And, and like for the fans, I, I still think like the fans are riding the playoff high. Like, you know, the shine of playoffs is still something that's very new to this team or to the fan base. Because, I mean, let's be honest, we had 10 years without it. The fan base has grown since then. A lot of fans that remember the old playoff days but maybe took a break are back now. And there's just a lot of new fans. So. Plus, we're the only sports team that's worth a damn in North Carolina right now. So there's something like if if you go to a game and even if if you're like working it, if if you're in the upper levels, if you're on the second level or first level, like there's something about the atmosphere surrounding the team that's different. I actually just submitted a post and it was like the idea of it is if these three things happen, I think the Hurricanes win the Stanley Cup this year. And I mean, so much of it is kind of based around like, it's kind of like New Year's themed because, you know, New Year's, it's a new year. It's a new, there's so many possibilities for what this year could be. Right. And I I just feel like the possibilities with such a young, supremely talented team that hasn't even hit its peak yet, probably like, you know, Andre Sveshnikov is a great example. How's he been like, he has been phenomenal for weeks, but he's not really getting the production that per se he's deserved in my opinion anyway like he's looked like the best player on the ice so many times maybe not when Ajo has been playing at the level he's been playing at lately too but I just feel like there's another gear that Andre Sveshnikov can reach and if the points start mm-hmm. matching his play this is one of the points I made in this in this article that I just finished if the points start matching the play I don't know how the, anybody stops the Hurricanes with how much talent there is up and down this roster I mean, you look at Jesperi Kokaniemi and how well he's played. He's on the fourth freaking line a lot of nights. Third line, I think, recently with Jordan Stahl moved back to wing. But just up and down this lineup, man, I, I just I really feel like there's a chance that we're talking about this team for a long time because they do something special. Yeah, uh, I hope one point you made in your article was I don't know for me the biggest thing um, for the Hurricanes to win the Cup this year and. It's kind of half joking, half serious, but it's that you're gonna need someone else to knock out the Boston Bruins because <laughs> I don't, I don't know, man. You could call it PTSD, I don't know, but I, I, it's, I, I just, I don't, I don't want to be going down that road again, you know. So I think the Hurricanes could beat the Bruins this year. Yeah, so, remember, so do I. But I'm not ready for it. Remember what I said when Washington won the Stanley Cup? They beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, like finally, it was like exercising think, the yeah. demons. Yeah. I think that if the Canes play the Bruins and beat them, I don't think there's a single team that can beat the Canes after that. No I joke. agree. I, I like the confidence I like boost. That. I'm with them. You. I think I'm that's a you. totally fair. So if we logic. play the Bruins, I'm actually going to be kind of happy yeah. just because I, and I think also this team as constructed is built to contend against teams like that. Not only the more physical teams, but also the more skilled teams too. They, they have, I mean, this is the best yeah. blend of skill and physicality because every player that's physical on this team either fills a role really nicely. Like Ian Cole, I'm not it's s- useful trying to physicality. say 
it is useful yeah, physicality. It's, it's not uh, another Yanni Hawkenpaw situation here. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Yeah. I don't so, know. It's going to be fun to see how the rest of this year shakes out. Um, but I mean, hell, there's just such a good blend to your point, Matt, that like you they can win so many ways. Like we saw it against Columbus, even. Ajo's carried this team so many times recently. Ajo didn't really look like himself. He had a bad game. Happens. He, he didn't have like his usual jump. He just, he just wasn't quite in the flow of things. Again, it happens. Um, and they still scored seven goals and had a four goal comeback. Like it, it just, I was going to say he had like, you know, it was like a six game multi-point streak. You right. Know, so. Yeah. And I, I know every, every team in the league is dealing with COVID. They're dealing with injuries and stuff, but the hurricanes haven't been healthy for a while. They haven't really had a full day one roster here for much of the past month. And they still got 23 wins out of 31 games leading the league in wins. And they just look like a well oiled machine. Even when you have guys like Jack Drury and Stefan Mason and the call-ups from uh, Chicago in there, they, they just, they don't miss a beat. Um, so, you know, organizational when, when this, depth is ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's fantastic, but you also got to figure when you get all your bodies back in there and everyone gets into a groove, these guys are going to have some chemistry to continue to build off of. Um, and, you know, missing games, they could be fresher later in the year. That's another thing to consider as well. So I, I think that as good as they played up to this point, it's not crazy to suggest that they could even play better as things go along here. Yeah, I think that's a great point because they really – they just now are getting their roster back. I mean, minus Martinook. This is really the first time, hopefully, we're going to get to see them healthy and see what this full roster really looks like for a while. Um, you know, again, the first game against Montreal, there's only so much you can take away, especially coming off a long layoff, which I didn't really think they were that crisp in that game. Um, understandably so. But then you see what they did in the second game, scoring seven consecutive goals again. Like, the potential is out of this world, really. Yeah, the Montreal game means nothing to me because we came back off of like almost a two week break and we were basically playing the Laval Rocket. Like that's not a dig at Montreal as much as I'd love to believe me. Like it's more just saying they had like 14 players out that game. Like, right. Yeah, we should have beat them soundly. And we did. So that's good. All right. Well, there is one thing that we, you know, alluded to a minute ago that we Figured would make for some interesting discussion for a minute here. Um, a team that got off to a very, very good start this year and has since lost four in a row in 10 of 12, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and that is the Edmonton Oilers. Um, you know, it, it's always been this debate about should you pay two players $21 million? And what is the rest of your roster going to look like after that? And I think people point to Edmonton a lot and they're like, yeah, they have the best player on the planet, another top five at worst player on the planet. And there's just Can't something do shit off. with him. Yeah. Like, I mean, his, he's kind of wasting away. Like, and I actually, it's kind of funny because up on my YouTube today, a video popped up and it was like, <laughs> Connor McDavid's real-time reaction to um, <laughs> seeing the draft lottery results. And it's just like, and you know, it's the draft lottery. And it says, oh, the first overall pick goes to the Edmonton Oilers. And then it cuts to him walking down towards the locker room with Erie. And he's just, It was really funny. That's like, good. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, it's tr- like, what the hell? I feel bad, first of all, that we're seeing 
possibly the best player of all time waste away. And two, I just don't like, where does that franchise go from here? Because their GMs all suck. They never seem to get the hires right. And it just, is it just, nobody wants to go up to Edmonton. Is that the problem? Like you can't attract people to that I, shitty ass place. What well, no, I, the, I, the I problem love, is nobody that. wants to go to Edmonton, the team. I, yeah, I guess that's yeah. my opinion. You can't tell me that there's Go nobody ahead, in the league sorry. that's like, I want to go to Edmonton to play with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Here's the thing. You wonder what's wrong with Edmonton, but I looked at their roster. Their lineup for today's game against Toronto, I think. Um, it's had 2-2 two two less. And, and they're, right away, you notice three problems um, with their group as a whole that just kind of spells everything out for you. Goaltending. One, Mike Smith is like 48 years old and this guy is still being deployed as their starter. Well, the other options, Miko Koskinen. So what do you want? Yeah. You know, no real rhyme or reason for it. We'll but get to that later. My, my God. I, like there's your first problem. Your second problem is that Warren Fogle is on your first line. <laughs> and that kind of culminates your third problem where your defense stinks. You traded Ethan bear. Who yeah. We've seen what he's done for Carolina. He's a damn good defenseman. You traded him for Warren Fogle, and now your second pairing is, honest to God, they're playing Duncan Keith with Cody Cece. <laughs> so not only do you employ those two guys, but you're playing them together now. Like Just, just the fact that just they have them on laughable. their roster, man. <laughs> so, I, I rolled my eyes, and I was like, you know, the, the, that, that's all I really needed to see. So I read an article today. Uh, from Jonathan Willis with The Athletic. Obviously, you know, Miko Koskinen, after Tippett was, you know, criticizing him in the media press conference, you know, he was saying, you know, like, yeah, I haven't been good enough, but also where are the goals, basically? Yeah. He's like, you know, I, I can't win us games if we're scoring two goals a night, which is exactly what I'm saying when, Peter Kochikov gets a loss because he, he allows two goals, but his team only scores one. Right. right like mm-hmm. it, it makes me, it, it makes me laugh every time, but it's like the Bill Peters, you know, race to three thing. <laughs> like statistically though, like you do like the team that scores three goals typically wins the game. Well, isn't that like a stat for the Hurricanes this year? It might be four goals, but I think when the Hurricanes score, it, it, it's either three or four. They're like 20-0 and 0 or something like that. Yeah, it's something Well, ridiculous. yeah, the thing is, if you score three or four, you're going to be expecting to win that game. Like, yeah. the only team who doesn't routinely is the Senators because they'll score five, well, and, give up seven. And the Oilers. <laughs> yeah, and the Oilers, and, right. Yeah, the Oilers are they're, they're in that category, too. I mean, Mike Smith has a uh, goals against average of 3.91. Good God. <laughs> 3.91 and Koskinen, while a little better, he's still a 3.2. And you know, so, but that's, that's how much fault to... goes to the goaltending, how much fault goes to the defense. Right. So, first, what I, you know, kind of in going back to the article, what I wanted to say is like, you know, they were stuck with Koskinen. They like he's this offseason, he was already under contract for this year. Like he, he had been signed to that contract, but the problem is they let Peter Chirelli sign him two days before getting fired. Right. Yeah. That and, was a which is an all time horrid, yeah. horrid decision. He's getting yes, paid sorry. starter money for backup performances. Yeah. 
And and Jonathan Willis was saying in his article, like Koskinen, if he gets signed to another team, then this offseason will be a very good backup. Right. Which, I mean, he, he can be, I'm sure. He was good for Edmonton for a while. Yeah, but yeah, he, he just seems very inconsistent. But what he was saying after I have goalie for you. Look at Anti Ranta. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What he was saying is the problem is they elected to go with 39 year old injury prone Mike Smith for two years. Yeah. So not only do you go with a goalie who is not good, Mike, I don't like Mike Smith. I never have. I don't think he's been a good goalie for the past 10 years. Yeah. You go with a goalie who gets hurt a lot, at least two or three times a season. And then you have Miko Koskinen, who's a backup goalie carrying a starter's load because your other starter can't stay healthy. What wasn't mentioned in the article, I saw somebody tweet this today. It's like, you know, the goalies that were available, Matheson was saying, well, the Oilers didn't get Kemper. They tried to. Yeah, and it's like, what, what did they do after Colorado traded for him? Did they give up? They know. Oh, like, didn't get Kemper. Well, we tried. Yeah. Bernier was available. <laughs> Anderson, Ranta. The problem is, it's know. just like, yes, the Oilers have a goaltending problem, and it's one they've put themselves in. Yeah. It's like, this could have easily been fixed by not signing Mike Smith and going with a anybody else even 34 year old jonathan bernier would be better obviously he's out for the season now just that that happens but goaltending's one of edmonton's problems the other is that their defense is dog shit i i mean alex i i had not seen that they're playing duncan keith and cody cc together uh, i wish i could have made that up but, it, but if it's that actually doesn't happening. sum up the edmonton oilers right <laughs> like they're poor evaluators of talent. They're, they're very old school in their thinking. They don't have a single. And again, analytics isn't always the right way to do things. You have to balance the analytics and the eye test. Eric Tolsky said that. <laughs> the analytics guy. <laughs> so, you know, it's a very old school way of running things, which doesn't work in today's NHL. You can't run a purely analytics franchise because, again, it has to be a balance. The analytics either confirm what you see on the ice or they offer maybe some things that you either might have missed or some things that, you know, may be under the surface. Right. It's just they still value old veteran guys that, you know, play the body and don't do much else which is a very early 2000s way of looking at things. It just, it does not work in the NHL. Let's let's be honest, man. The the contracts that they've given out have been like pretty atrocious. I mean, the the Nugent Hopkins deal was great value, but a lot goes into him wanting to stay there and kind of giving them a hometown discount. But who, nobody, nobody in hockey thinks that that Zach Hyman contract is going to age well. Um, I, I can't see Darnell Nurse, um, living up to the money they gave him. And then you give guys like, they gave him what, Tyson like Berry, 9 million, 9 million. Yeah. For Jesus eight years. Christ, bro. I like nurse too. Tyson Berry, Tyson Berry top money. You gave Cody CC a four year contract. Like, what are you doing? You know, what, it's just, who, it makes no sense. It's the Edmonton Oilers should. And this is just me. If I were in charge, 
like if I were their owner or whoever, tear down that hockey ops department. Yeah. Like, yeah, you got to blow it up. Start from scratch because clearly your evaluators aren't doing their job because they're, they're actively bringing in players, but the players they're bringing in are making either little to no difference, or they're actually making the team worse. And like, well, when you consider that a team in their position is giving up a second round pick for 38 year old Duncan Keith. Well, every Blackhawks writer, and this was, this was also mentioned in that article I read every single Blackhawks beat reporter and writer was like, the Blackhawks are going to have to retain in a Duncan Keith deal. And they didn't. Plus you give up a prime asset for him and he can't play anymore. Like granted, like, you know, not every second round pick is going to do something, but also like, (laughs) <laughs> it's an asset that you could have traded for an actual yeah. you know, useful player you can it's get a piece, you can get you a damn good used. hockey player for a second round pick like the oilers couldn't have gotten top nine help yep which in their case would be top line help because <laughs> the oilers that, that was my third thing wrong with the oilers is that there's no forward depth it's like there there's literally like this is a team built around McDavid and Drysaddle, and that's it. Nugent yeah. Hopkins, good hockey player. He's the only other player on that line. There's like three players on that team, and and Darnell. I like Pull your Arby. Pull your Arby's had a good year. Okay, there's five players on that hockey team. Out of what, twenty? Yeah, that are good. So a fifth of your hockey team is like worth Something. talking about. Yeah. Um, no disrespect for to Warren Fogle, but like he's a good fourth liner. He's a great fourth line player. That like an, who's playing on their top line? Yeah, mediocre at best third line player. Like it just it makes no sense to me, man. I I do not understand the Edmonton Oilers. I again, I think their entire hockey ops department should just be gone it's it's not worth it anymore you're wasting the prime years of the two the the best pairing hockey has seen in a long ass time rant over good podcast guys enjoyed it it was that was a great interview yeah i had had fun with that one for sure funny funny guy um you know, we'll have to we'll have to try and get Aho on here so he can uh, throw him under the bus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he can, he can fill us in on the worst part about you know Seth Jarvis staying in his house. <laughs> well, folks, we want to thank you for listening to this week. We're sorry about last week again. It was just uh, you know like with with Brandon feeling sick still with you know just the world right now. I actually can't believe I'm that, healthy again. Like I don't. Even I know. know. I don't even. This is this feels wrong. Yeah, Brandon, Brandon, like, must have seen a witch doctor or something. Like, you know, just with everything going on and the fact that there was no hockey to talk about, we were just like, you know what? We'll see you guys next week. And as always, we appreciate the support. We appreciate you all showing out for the fan questions this week. And uh, I think Seth had something to say to you all before uh, we tune out this week. It's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan. <laughs> <laughs>